at least for right now, what's what's probably your favorite surgery to perform when that stuff happens, the traumas that you've had? So as a medical student, we don't really have like perform that many surgeries. We just kind mm-hmm. of like step in and watch mm-hmm. or like help, um, you know, do very minor things. So I don't know if I'm really qualified to answer that question right now. I don't know. I've seen some really cool, cool surgeries. I think the coolest surgery that I have seen, I obviously didn't perform it because I was just a medical student, but uh, some of the coolest stuff I saw, because trauma is like very big at County USC's hospital, just because of the neighborhood. Unfortunately, like there's like a lot of gang violence, um, which mm-hmm. is like kind of a little bit of a lower income, more dangerous neighborhood. So we mm-hmm. see a lot of like stab wounds, gunshot wounds. And then just Los Angeles in general, there's always car accidents everywhere, like gruesome car accidents. So my night on trauma, we saw, I saw a clamshell thoracotomy in the emergency department. So basically what it is, is if uh, you could imagine like they cut the person open like this underneath their chest. So it's like a cut like this mm-hmm. across and they open up the chest like a bag of chips like that. And then they do massage on the heart. So it's like CPR, but on the heart. Oh, so, wow. Yeah. It's when somebody has like a penetrating injury. So like uh, stabbed or shot or something and their heart stops. And so they have to like resuscitate the heart somehow. Mm-hmm. And CPR does the same thing, but it's like through the chest wall. Mm-hmm. Whereas cardiac massage is literally on the heart doing that, trying to get the heart to pump again. It, it looks way cooler than CPR too. I mean, <laughs> yeah. CPR is like- boring when you could just get to the heart. I mean, that's way cooler. <laughs> I mean, you would have to open up your chest to get to the heart. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, it unfortunately has like pretty poor outcomes. Um, mm. Just because of why. the severity <laughs> of the injury. <laughs> yeah, I wonder why like having to massage with heart has poor outcomes. Um, but those were that was like pretty intense, and I saw three. It was three of those in one night. Welcome to Two Five Physios, the podcast where Tyler Smith and Jordan Spradlin, two doctors of physical therapy discuss their journey towards financial independence, self-development, PT research articles, and host in-depth interviews with physios in the field. And we're back. You're listening to another 2Fi interview today. We have Carissa, a third-year medical student at Keck, on deck, ready to share her experience. Let's jump in. Carissa, what is your backstory in terms of where you grew up, where you went to school, where you currently are, and what got you interested in the military and medical world? So what's up? Uh, my name is Carissa. I go by Carissa or CC or like KU, whatever. Uh, <laughs> I'm from Long Beach, you know, LBC, the place to be. I was born and raised here, and I went to school here in Southern California. I went to UCLA for undergrad. I was there. I graduated in 2017. Uh, I took a gap year. I went to San Antonio and I worked with the the army there. I was a lab tech at uh, Fort Sam Houston. So I was just doing, I was there as a civilian. I was just doing kind of like lab research work. I was working with like surgeons and stuff. And I think that's when I first started getting interested in like surgery. I've always kind of been interested in medicine. I thought it was like pretty cool. Um, like nobody in my family really was like a doctor or anything. I'm like the first building a waiver to go to college in my family. Nice. But yeah, I mean, I've always considered it. And then in school and college, it did pretty well. And I was like applying my gap year, but it wasn't until like, I really worked with like those surgeons there at the army base where I was just like, man, this is like, this is like low key dope. I could get with this. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then I was fortunate. I was really blessed to be able to come back to Los Angeles. Uh, now I go to USC Keck for medical school. And honestly, it's like med school has been like a dream. So it's like, I don't know, it's tough, but it's like, it's uh, everything I imagined it would be, but like better. It's been like super great. And um, finishing up third year now, I'm almost done. I have one more year left and then I Mm -hmm. apply to residency. And then hopefully if if everything works out well, I'll match into general surgery. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's like my, my journey into medicine. But before that, in my gap year, when I was living in San Antonio, I was considering like joining the military. So mm-hmm. my dad is a Navy veteran. My uncles are all Navy veterans. Um, it just like is kind of a thing in my family. Mm-hmm. We've never had an officer in my family. Uh, so I was the first officer uh, to commission. So I decided to apply for 
called, I, I always forget what, what it stands for, but it's HPSP is the name of the scholarship program. And they have it for like medical students, dental students, and I think also like PA students or something like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I always forget what it stands for, but it's something like that. I applied for it, did a couple interviews, uh, had to do, you know, some essays and they accepted me into the scholarship program. And I chose Navy mostly because like that was what was familiar to me because my family was like all, all Navy, my dad and, you know, all my uncles. Uh, so that's kind of why I chose military. Um, I really like the community aspect of it. Like I really like how the military is like very, like a very strong community. Um, and also like from a, you know, a logistical standpoint, I needed a way to pay for medical school. So it's just like a realistic perspective as well as like, you know, things I enjoy about the military. But I haven't done too much uh, with the military yet. I've just done the officer development school. So it's like a six week, like I call it like a baby boot camp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for us. <laughs> it's all like, we're. it was just, you know, med students, doctors, nurses, and like lawyers. So <laughs> they're traditionally not super athletic people, I guess. <laughs> so they, they were pretty soft on us, but it was still fun. Got to run a lot. But did that between first and second year of med school. And yeah, that's all I've done so far. This coming July, I'll be at uh, Navy Medical Center San Diego for four weeks for a surgery rotation. And that's about it. Oh, man. Going to, going to San Diego? Yeah. Oh, jealous. That <laughs> <laughs> great. great. <laughs> the first main question I have for you is that USC and UCLA were in the Elite NCAA tournament. Who are you rooting harder for? That's my question. Oh, I, I'm UCLA all the way. Like, yeah. I, I am barely a Trojan. I'm a Trojan in name only. Okay. Um, Correct. I was answer. heartbroken. I was heartbroken yesterday. That was the greatest game I've ever seen in my life. They almost took Gonzaga out with like. They should have. Yeah. But I don't know, man. Yeah. But I mean, I, I feel like I repped UCLA harder just because I like went there as an undergrad. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And then now like at USC, it's not like super like school pridey when you're in graduate school. I don't know if you guys had the same experience when you guys went to PT school. But I feel yeah. like the school pride stuff is more like big when you're undergrad yeah I would yeah that. absolutely but i'm always I'm, a, I'm the type of person who's like ah sports whatever even though i loved playing them you know like i feel bad i gotta get on it when people are talking about it at yeah. work i'm like man yeah. i should probably look into it a little bit like, <laughs> i kind of feel you like it's a lot of emotional energy to invest into a team it is and i feel like i don't have that energy to invest in like every team i can right. only do it for like a few teams yeah and you have so much on your plate already it's like oh man i gotta look at this and then you know they have um they have the brackets at work right now and i'm just like oh my gosh that's so much time yeah it's like a lot of money too (laughs) depending on how you play the brackets yeah (laughs) astronomical odds yeah okay oh man interesting yeah but hey baby boot camp that must have been easy for you because you were telling me you were a personal trainer before all this yeah, I mean, yeah. I've been a person. I was only a personal trainer for four years in college because uh, like the certifications every four years. So mm-hmm. when I graduated, I decided not to recertify because mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I'm gonna like move on and do something else with my life. But yeah, I was a personal trainer there. Um, I did mostly like the Group X classes. I did do. I did have like a a few clients, but I was mostly just teaching the group classes. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean. I would say like I got more into like sport. I've always been into sports. Like I played basketball since I was like, you know, third grade. I ran track since I was like in fifth grade. So I've always like liked sports, but I feel like I wasn't really all that into like team stuff until I joined my my weightlifting team. Cause that's when I feel like I appreciated it more. Okay. So how how's your weightlifting team been doing over the pandemic? Have you guys been able to stay up on it? Uh, so I've always been a remote athlete because they're based in San Antonio. So when I moved back to California for medical school, I, I became like a remote athlete. So Mm. I, I got, I was kind of used to like just working out by myself and like training by myself. Mm -hmm. Um, so that was always, I was just always used to that. They were still doing their thing. A lot of people have like garage gyms, so they Mm -hmm. were just able to keep training through the pandemic. So I was fortunate to find like, you know, friends who were letting me like work out in their place. My dad has a setup in his garage. So you know, hopefully I didn't like lose too much math. <laughs> we'll, <Yeah>. see. <laughs> we'll see. My brother did the same thing. He's, he's panic bought a bunch of gym equipment. So he's yeah. got his garage gym set up. It's 
pretty sweet now. I had squat racks and we were getting more weights and different things and battle ropes and everything mm-hmm. basically every day. So yeah, that's been cool. And uh, yeah. yeah, honestly, that's the way to go. Like for residency, mm-hmm. I really want to like rent a house instead of, cause I live in an apartment now. Mm-hmm. I really want to rent a house so I can like convert the garage. Yeah. Gym. Because even like pre COVID, I've always worked out at like five in the morning, like right when the gym opens, okay. because I don't like being around other people when I work out. Right. Like, oh. like, like even pre COVID, I was like, I just, I'm in there for a business transaction. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> work out and go home. <laughs> exactly. Oh man. What, and, are your, um, what are your current PRs? I'm curious, like squat, deadlift, bench, like. I haven't, so I haven't maxed out a back squat or a deadlift in like years since okay. I was in college. Recently, because I'm competing in June um, okay. for weightlifting, so I'm trying to, you know, get it all together. But recently, I just hit a 54 kilo snatch, so I weigh 55, so it was like a body weight snatch. Wow. And then I hit a 66 kilo clean and jerk. That was just in training, like on Friday. Nice. So, okay. Man. Trying to get it together. Olympic yeah. lifts. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. So, all right. So you met up with this team and. Uh, san antonio what what brought you out there to begin with after after ucla so i i wasn't sure what i was going to do because applying to medical school takes i think it's a little bit different from pt school because it takes like a whole or maybe it will be similar i'm not sure it takes like a whole year to apply so like if i wanted to go straight to medical school i would have to apply my junior year of college but i wasn't ready to apply my junior year so I waited to apply my senior year of college, which means I had like a, a, a gap between mm-hmm. schooling. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't really sure what I was going to do. I was like, maybe I'll just like, you know, live at home and try to find like places I could volunteer at. I wasn't sure. And then it was my, like one of my high school best friends, she, she was my basketball teammate in high school. Mm-hmm. She hit me up saying like, oh, I had this like summer internship with the army for like research stuff, like last summer mm-hmm. and she's like they're hiring me again for this coming year and then she was just like do you want to get hooked up with a job and i was like all right let's do it let's yeah. move to San Antonio. <laughs> so we just moved to san antonio for that because that she gave me a job and that's the reason why i ended up working there oh man that's awesome love that friend connection just setting you up with a job that's the best friend right there yeah <laughs> it was a fun time it was it was very different because we we're like we're in school we're just working i mean all I would do really is just like wake up, go to work, eat, sleep, and then just like work out. <laughs> it's like, it's interesting. Sounds like a good life. <laughs> it was a good life. Yeah. It's still a good life. Everything, is. everything is still good. <laughs> oh man, that's awesome. So like, so right now for you're you're currently in your third year of med school. Mm-hmm. And then since you're currently with the Navy program, Mm-hmm. Um, going into the residency, once you graduate, are you going to be commissioned as an active duty officer and then into your residency or how, how's that going to look? So it's, um, it's a little bit complicated. Um, I have to do a double apply. So I apply into the military match and to the civilian match. So the way it works is I have to do the military match, which happens a little bit earlier than the civilian match. Mm-hmm. And I also do the civilian one. Um, if I go, if I match into a military spot, then I go obviously to the military residency and that's when I commission right away as a lieutenant and mm-hmm. I am just a lieutenant and I do like my stuff with the military. Mm-hmm. If I choose to do like a deferment, I apply for a deferment to the civilian sector, mm-hmm. then I would graduate and basically everything is put on hold and I'm uh, like a reservist. So I can't be called from residency or anything, but like my accruement time to retirement, nothing like accrues. It's just like a basically like a freeze on mm. my status. And then I would do my civilian residency. And then regardless, when I become an attending, so when I finish residency, mm-hmm. that's when I serve back my time as an attending, as like a full-fledged whatever, you know, surgeon or whatever in the Navy. That's uh-huh. when I serve my time back. Okay. That's interesting. What would, what would be your choice if you... Um, I, I think right now, honestly, like whatever happens, happens. That's kind of always just been like how I am in life. But I guess ideally I would, I think I would want to go to a civilian program possibly, Mm -hmm. um, just because I'd want to go to like a very trauma focused, um, program. 
like a program where you they see a lot of trauma cases because I'm interested specifically in trauma surgery. Mm. Um, so I think that would be very helpful for like my future career with the Navy or if, and you know future career if, if I become a civilian mm-hmm. because I want to be a trauma surgeon. So ideally, if I could go to somewhere where you just see a bunch of those types of cases, that's like, I feel like I would get the most training in the sector that I would want. Mm-hmm. But honestly, you know, you know, any residency program you go to, you're going to get good training. It's just like based on like other life factors, like location and, you know, a big part of like a general surgery residency is like finding the culture of residency mm-hmm. um, and seeing if you like really vibe with those people. So it's hard to say because I obviously haven't interviewed yet. We haven't applied yet. Mm-hmm. So it's really during those interviews when you like get the vibe of like, oh man, do I like like these people at this program? Do I see myself like being happy here? So it's a lot of factors. But I think ideally maybe leaning towards the civilian residency, but I'm not even really sure because I haven't mm-hmm. really even done a military rotation yet. Okay. Mm-hmm. What do you think is the biggest stereotype of general surgery? I guess, versus like plastic surgeons versus orthopedic. Is there like a different culture that differentiates the types of surgeons? I don't know if I can like speak to like the different subspecialties of surgery, Mm -hmm. uh, especially because I'm only a medical student. So I haven't really been engrossed in that world for very long. I do know that like other specialties do like to say that general surgery, general surgeons and surgeons general are are like uh, mean people. (laughs) I don't think I'm that mean. Um, I think they're all joking though. I know that the, the one stereotype for orthopedic surgery is that they're all a bunch of bros, like everybody there <laughs> loves to work out. And like, you do have to be physically strong. Like if you're holding like limbs in like certain positions for a very long time, you mm-hmm. know, there is some truth to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember in San Antonio, like if you go to the orthopedic, cause my, my friend, she worked with the orthopedic uh, division. I worked with the burn division. Oh. The orthopedic division, their their like locker room had like dumbbells in there and like a bench press bench. That's so awesome. they definitely had like weights in there. <laughs> in between surgeries, let's get a few sets in. Yeah, it's like, oh let me get a pump. <laughs> Before I do this knee surgery, let me get a pump in. <laughs> oh, that's huge. Oh man, that's great. Um, so I was curious, like, have you have you actually helped out in surgeries yet as your third year? Have you been in there? And how's that looking? Yeah, I mean like it depends like what rotation and like what like electives you choose. So not everybody gets the same per se experience Mm -hmm. because I knew I was interested in surgery. I chose to like take on more surgical electives. Mm -hmm. Um, So I feel like I, everybody has to do general surgery rotation uh, in the class. And that one was like super great. I had like a trauma rotation and that's when I was like, man, this is like what I'm supposed to do with my life. Like, I love this. And then I decided to do like burn surgery as like an elective. That was super cool too. Mm -hmm. A lot of like wound care stuff. But really like when I went to pediatric surgery at CHLA, that's when I got to do the most stuff. It was like actually kind of wild because a lot of times it would be just me, the medical student and like the, like uh, the boss, the attending surgeon. Mm-hmm. And I just remember there was like this one surgeon I worked with a couple of times and he would just be like, Oh, like knife to the young doctor. And I'll be like, Oh, that's me. <laughs> and like, <laughs> he would like, I would be like doing like math, like very simple, like mass excisions and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was doing everything. I was like making the first incision. I was doing the procedure and then like sewing up. So I was like, yeah, as a third year medical student, I was like doing like simple procedures on my own, not on my own, but uh-huh. I was doing them. Yeah. Unlicensed performing surgery. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> That's bold. Under like the it. supervision of an attending. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Have you ever been on the wrong end of a surgical table? Like being a patient for an accidental or <sighs> expected surgery yourself? No, I've never had a surgery. The only thing I've like, I've been like pretty lucky. I've never really gotten hurt before. Um, the only thing is like one time I had to get stitches in my hand and that was like, you know, that's like mm-hmm. not the same thing as surgery. So mm-hmm. I've never really, yeah, I never really had to go to the ER as like a patient. Still have your wisdom teeth and all that? Yeah, I saw my wisdom teeth. All they were right. actually trying to tell me in boot camp. They're trying to say like, oh, you have your wisdom teeth still? Like you, you might have to get those out. And I was like, no, 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 no. I've like <laughs> confirmed this with multiple dentists. And they said that I don't have to. So I'm not trying to get those wisdom teeth out if I don't yeah. have to. <laughs> yeah, it's not great. No. <laughs> don't recommend. 10, 10, don't recommend. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. That's great. So like, can you, so I, I'm curious, what does that officer, officer development school look like? 
for us because mm-hmm. we're we're I'm currently applying to the army and the navy. Mm-hmm. Tyler's Air Force, potentially Navy in the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we get to that point, what does it look like? Can you walk us through a week? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I actually I can't speak too much about the army. Mm-hmm. and the air force i would imagine they're like kind of similar uh i'm not super sure i can actually I, actually my friend um the one i moved to san antonio with she's also a medical su- student um and she's army hpsp yes. so yeah so i uh, maybe maybe she could speak more to that but i don't i don't really know the army stuff i know for the navy though so like the first week you show up and they like low-key try to scare you on the first day because you have, like they have everyone lined up and they're like yelling and like walking through the halls and like roasting people. But you know, it's like actually very as long as you do everything and like follow instructions, it's like they're not really trying to air you out so much. They're just trying to teach you things like uh-huh. like the the um like etiquette and like rules and just like procedures of the of the navy mm-hmm. so basically it's like in the morning you wake up around like 4 30 whatever however long it takes you to get ready and then you have to be in formation by 5 a.m and then you step off at like 5 a.m in your formation go to pt for like an hour then you come back you do your hygiene so you do your shower you have like 15 minutes to get dressed for the day and shower and then you run off and you go back to chow um so you have your breakfast and then like the rest of the day until lunch is just like lectures. And then mm-hmm. you have lunch, you come back, do more lectures. And then after lectures, you have dinner and then you do, um, sometimes we'll do like marching. So that's like basically where you step in line, they call out instructions and everyone has to know how to like about face and like, like mark, turn left, turn right in the formation. So you do that for like an hour or so. And then sometimes after that, we'll have like another like presentation or something like that. But basically by, I would say by like six or seven I think we were done by like 1900 every day you'd be done and then once uh once it hits like eight o'clock 8 p.m then then it's like you're you, you're okay to go to bed and me and my hatchmate and my roommate as soon as it was like as soon as we saw the two zero 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 we were like oh time to sleep we just like lights <laughs> off and we just slept because <laughs> we knew we had to wake up at like fight for a sink <laughs> and wake up and mm-hmm. so we were up at like 4 15 yeah Oh, they have like man. a two tier system for like the non morning people because I'm I wake up at eight so can I just like <laughs> can I just not do the five a.m. thing? Is that um, an option? You know what? I think you should ask your chief that, but uh, yeah. you might end up uh, face to the ground <laughs> right. if you ask that it's kind of question. Not gonna work out. I'm right. gonna have too much attitude going into this. <laughs> there, you could tell who we're not. You could tell people we're not morning people because they would be like dead serious yeah. at like five in the morning. They'd be like this but all the lawyers they're the worst (laughs) i think most of the people they you get used to it after about like a week a week and a half yeah i don't know i i've always been a morning person like i still wake up at like 4 a.m so it's Mm -hmm. like not really that it wasn't like a change at all i think only the first week was a big deal because i was like Mm -hmm. jet lagged Mm -hmm. it was on the east coast yeah so uh or new part sorry in rhode island Mm. so i was just like man this is I'm waking up at 4 a.m., which is like 1 a.m. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. It's yeah. Tough. So they were roasting you guys. Do you remember what your favorite roast was? <laughs> oh, oh man, I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about this stuff. I'll yeah. keep it. I'll keep it vague. It wasn't our company. It was a different company. So you're at least with the Navy, you're mixed in with with like other like groups. So not everybody there is like in the medical field. Mm. Um. So you have some people who want to be like working with like nuclear warheads and stuff like that. So they treat them like a little bit differently. They treat them more like super hardcore and stuff. Mm. I just remember, man, like even, I mean, we had to do this too, but when we walk in, there's like a, a procedure you do. Like you have to walk in in like a very specific formation. And then the leader of the section has to like scream out your time. Like um, I remember I, I have like a loud voice. So I would be like the screamer person a lot. And so you mm. like scream to your company. You say like, uh, like whatever your company's name is, you have one, five minutes left to eat. And then they go, I ma'am. And everyone sits down and like, like, you're not allowed to talk. You just like shovel food in your face. Like <laughs> it's like low key funny, but like it was like serious at the time. <laughs> you're, yeah. like, <laughs> but there is this other company that was like right next to us and it must have been like their first week or something and i don't know what was going on but i guess the chief who was in charge of that group he was just like he was just like i'll just say this guy's name is bob i don't know he's like bob why are you smiling and then like that kid was like 
oh, uh, I don't know, sir. And then he's like, why? You're not going to smile in my company, blah, blah, blah. And he's like screaming at him. And he turns around. And then they, they're like, oh, you have to redo this formation because Bob doesn't know what he's doing. So they had to like, go back to the, begin- like, the beginning and then do this mm-hmm. whole elaborate march again. And then um, he was like, Bob, is your lip quivering? Why are you crying? And, <laughs> and then he, they were just like tearing into this one kid. I felt so bad. And he ended up failing, I think, mm-hmm. that first like three weeks. So he had to repeat it. Wow. Oh, damn. Okay. But yeah. he came back at least. He came I back. He came back, wow. yeah. yeah. I respect Bob. Yeah. yeah, respect to Bob. But I just remember like... <laughs> It's like funny. I think about it, and it was like kind of funny now, like looking back at it. But in the moment, I was like scared for that dude because they were like tearing into him. They're saying like they're saying stuff like, "Oh my gosh, you're not cut out for this." Like, "Why are you crying? Only babies cry." Blah blah blah. It made, yeah. He made that dude cry. He was like a grown yeah. man, like twenty three year old man, yeah. was, like crying in line. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> I was like, dang damn bob got it bad <laughs> yeah they had it bad though because those like the nuclear warfare people they call them like um officer candidate school so ocs mm-hmm. um they had it bad like they they weren't allowed to have like anything in their room um and they got aired out in the morning so like like for us we had the agency to just wake up whenever as long as we we're in formation on time but for okay. them, like the chief would come and bang on their doors, open up their doors and like <laughs> pull the sheets off and like scream at them. Like they didn't have clocks or anything. So they had no idea like uh, what time it was. It was whoa. dark still. Uh, so theirs okay. was like more intense. Yeah. Oh, that sounds fun. That sounds like a great time. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like an experience, it honestly. Does, yeah. <laughs> How many people dropped out? Was there a couple that didn't make it, or um, OD- make it? for ODS? No, no one, no one drops out. Um, okay. I think it's hard to for the Navy to tell people to drop out because I mean they've invested so much like money into mm. like professional school. Yeah. So I feel like that's also why they're a little bit more lax, I guess you right. could say, on the like I guess the the way they treat like the HPSP people. Mm-hmm. Um, but for OCS, I know that they have a whole, they call it H class. They have a whole class of people who fail the first three weeks mm-hmm. who like couldn't do like all the physical stuff or like all the, you know, other, you know, yelling, I guess. And mm-hmm. like a bunch of them would fail and they would be in this group called H class. And they'd be like, I don't know, like 15, 20 of them who would have to wait another three weeks for like the next class to come in. And they would just like hop in with the next incoming class. Mm. oh man okay yeah that's good i'm looking forward to it yeah i think we're doing ods <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, i've heard there's is there ots officer training school is that a different thing or is it have you heard of that uh, there's so many acronyms that i'm not even sure i've heard of ocs and ods i guess but i thought I there was an ots o- ots might i'm not sure i know that ods is for us for eight mm. for medical Maybe that's people. an air force thing i can't yeah remember. i'm not sure yeah. ocs is the more intense one okay um but yeah i don't know like i'll get emails from the navy like we get weekly emails and i just be like sometimes I, I can't even read it i'm like i don't know what any of these acronyms mean <laughs> <laughs> i'm just like just gonna assume it doesn't apply to me if i don't understand yeah <laughs> oh man you've made it this far uh, yeah, yeah. That's great. Okay, man. All right, now let's get to know. Because I, I, I haven't really been sure what exactly to expect, but mm-hmm. that sounds looking forward to it. Um, mm-hmm. And and like since since you wanted to get into trauma surgery specifically, I'm not sure if the Navy for surgeons if they offer any like special forces type of um, appointments mm-hmm. where like maybe you could be out in the field working front lines type of deal. Is that something that would interest you since you're interested in trauma? Yeah, I actually do want to go to like active zones um, because I mm-hmm. am interested in trauma. I do want to get like deployed out to, um, you know, whatever is an active zone at the time. Mm-hmm. I don't know specifically if they can assign you to like a special forces team. I don't know if they, they like have like some, like a billet for that. Um, right. I do know that because there's a lot of like um, ex-military, specifically ex-Navy people at USC who are in the trauma department. And they were saying like, yeah, they've been deployed to like different places, like to the Middle East, to like Germany or wherever in, in Europe. Yeah. It's like kind of hit or miss whether or not they get a lot of cases. It obviously depends on what's going on at the time, if there's going to be a lot of trauma or not. But for me personally, I would 
like going out to being deployed there to those types of places is something that I'm I would um, look for in my career with the Navy just because I am interested in trauma surgery and that is something that you know if you want to see the trauma you have to go to where the trauma is right the thing right yeah that's something I'm interested in too like Mm -hmm. uh, when I was we had this physical therapy annual conference that I went Mm -hmm. to last year in Denver and I got to have some coffee with with the army physical therapist who's been in who's been in for like 25 years and he was retiring Mm -hmm. this year and he was telling me how how it's great because when you go out to those active zones it's at least for pts you have your treatment table and you have your bag of everything that you might need to use to provide treatment and you just go out and meet them where they're at and you do your job and um that sounds exciting like it sounds Mm -hmm. really cool to do something to do Mm -hmm. something right there with you Mm -hmm. yeah i mean that's, I mean, part of the reason why I was attracted to trauma was because I, I like the, the, you know, the cute care. The, the, I feel like um, some people don't like that, like kind of pressure situation, which I mm-hmm. totally understand. But I feel like for me, it's, it's kind of like it helps me focus when there's like a mm-hmm. very specific task I have to do. And so I feel like that environment actually like really is what drew me to trauma specifically. Uh, yeah, it's like where you shine, you know, pressure's yeah. on, you know, mm-hmm. that's. That's great. So what's, what's your, um, at least for right now, what's, what's probably your favorite surgery to perform when that stuff happens, the traumas that you've had? So as a medical student, we don't really have like perform that many surgeries. We just kind of like step in and watch Mm -hmm. or like help, um, you know, do very minor things. So I don't know if I'm really qualified to answer that question right now. (laughs) I, I don't know. I've seen some really cool, cool surgeries. I think the coolest surgery that I have seen I obviously didn't perform it because I was just a medical student, but uh, some of the coolest stuff I saw, because trauma is like very big at County USC's hospital, just because of the neighborhood. Unfortunately, like there's like a lot of gang violence. Um, It's just like kind of a little bit of a lower income, more dangerous neighborhood. So we see a lot of like stab wounds, gunshot wounds, and then just Los Angeles in general, there's always car accidents everywhere, like gruesome car accidents. So my night on trauma we saw, I saw a clamshell thoracotomy in the emergency department. So basically what it is, is if uh, you could imagine like they cut the person open like this underneath their chest. So it's like a cut like this mm-hmm. across and they open up the chest like a bag of chips like that. And then they do massage on the heart. So it's like CPR, but on the heart. Oh, so wow. yeah. it's when somebody has like a penetrating injury. So like uh, stabbed or shot or something. And their heart stops. And so they have to like resuscitate the heart somehow. Mm -hmm. And CPR does the same thing, but it's like through the chest wall. Mm -hmm. Whereas cardiac massage is literally on the heart doing that, trying to get the heart to pump again. It it looks way cooler than CPR too. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) CPR is boring when you can just get to the heart. I mean, that's way cooler. (laughs) I mean, you would have to open up your chest to get to the heart. Yeah, exactly. Um, It unfortunately has like, pretty poor outcomes um just because of the severity of the energy (laughs) yeah i wonder why like having to massage someone's heart has poor outcomes um but those were that was like pretty intense and i saw three it was three of those in one night so yeah so it was like two stab wounds and one gunshot wound and those were just the thoracotomies like Mm. there were other surgeries that happened that night too also from gunshot wounds I think my brother's actually had to do that because he was my brother went to UCLA medical school and mm-hmm. he wanted to go into orthopedic surgery for a long time, but he never matched with the resident program or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so he did a year in Tucson at the VA hospital as a um, general, basically a postgrad mm-hmm. year one in general surgery. Mm-hmm. And then now he's in residency as a PM&R doc, so a physiatrist. But and nice. I think he I think he has told me that of what the procedure you're talking about um, mm-hmm been pretty intense so i'll have to ask him again today when he comes over yeah it's it's pretty interesting like they have to like put their hands in the chest cavity and just like massage Mm -hmm. and i don't know it i i had never seen anything like obviously we had learned about it and like read books about it but it's like so much different to like physically like see it happening Mm -hmm. and i was just like oh my gosh like they're inside this man's chest, like not <laughs> even in an OR, like in like the dirty emergency department. Oh, wow. mm-hmm. It's so emergent. Mm-hmm. So Jeez. I don't know. That oh, was crazy. Man. Yeah. How has COVID affected your current studies in med school? Did you guys have to do all remote kind of stuff or what's, what's the change been like? Oof, um, well, I, I mean, I can't speak to pre-COVID stuff, obviously, because I only rotate in COVID, but mm-hmm. 
I know that they have made a lot of changes. So we used to have rotations that were six weeks each in all the specialties, and now they changed it to four weeks each to um, have enough like different slots so that everybody could get a chance to rotate because places were like like limiting how many students they could take at a time. Mm-hmm. So it's like pros and cons, right? Like first people who wanted to experience, let's say, for example, I'm on OB-GYN right now. So let's say, for example, people who wanted to experience like um, uh, labor and delivery, they only get like one week of labor and delivery, which like mm. usually we get like two and a half weeks of it. So it's like it, it cuts. It's like more than half of the time off. And like these people are still like trying to decide what they want to do for the rest of their life. So it's like kind of a con in that way. You can't really see yeah. what the entire specialty is like, which I feel like is a, a disadvantage in some ways. To me personally, I felt like it was a, it, it just happened to work out for me where I did get like a shorter general surgery rotation, but I had more time. I had two months of electives. So I had two four week blocks where I could just like pick any elective because we shortened the rotations and I was able to do that, the burn surgery and the pediatric surgery. So I, I got more exposure to surgery than I would have if we were on the regular system. And it just so happened to work out that, you know, I got, you know, the classes I wanted and I just had a good time on those rotations. But I know that it has like impacted a lot of people where they couldn't get the rotations they needed or they had like a shortened rotation, especially during like the second peak in like, I think it was December or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, people who were like in the hospital for internal medicine, their patient list was like all COVID and they weren't able to see any of those patients. And that was like a huge hit to their Mm -hmm. experience because the entire list was just COVID patients instead of like the entire, you know, gamut of what you could see as an internal medicine doctor. Mm -hmm. So definitely very different from a normal year. That's that's wild. I'm glad you guys are doing okay. And you're still like, you know, getting your education in and getting the school done. Like I know so many programs have been having to make modifications to still get students. Yeah. Like, like we got pulled out of our clinical uh, when it first happened, yeah. but we, uh, we still graduated. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, I'm hoping that things start to go back to normal by the end of this year. Yeah. Um, hopefully mm-hmm. looking at the numbers and the vaccination rates, it will, you know, start to, normalize i don't know Mm. if that's the right word um but i don't know all i can hope i'm not an expert i don't know (laughs) Mm -hmm. so who knows i'm with you hoping that too so i'm not i'm not shoot i'm not sure if if you had some advice for pts because i always like like um i don't know if you've Mm -hmm. heard of dr hatch or dr weber at usc there they're more so in orthopedics right now but i don't know if you've have you had any experience with orthopedics yet because those one it's nice to talk to surgeons and like oh what are some things you would expect from pts when you when we take on Mm. your patients from something like that no unfortunately i haven't rotated with ortho i don't know yeah i actually have most of my pt experience with like the burn unit because a lot of those patients need extensive pt rehabilitation after their injuries Mm -hmm. um and i i i guess like advice would be and this is just in general for everyone. It's just like communication. I feel like communication is like very uh, hit or miss in the medical field sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I feel like a lot of times like patients can suffer if the communication between, you know, even amongst doctor to doctor or resident to resident, let alone, you know, pharmacist to PT or PT to doctor or doctor to nurse. I feel like that a lot of that stuff gets lost in translation, especially with like the EMR is like super confusing and built for billing, not built for patient care. Totally. Um, so I, I, I don't know if that was even really advice. That was just more of a ramble. No, I completely but, agree. Like even our like EMR system is totally separate from tech. So mm-hmm. we're the only way we're communicating with you guys is through email if that. And so, but at least for my experience, all of all the doctors I've spoken to are super quick to respond and mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. have been really helpful with everything. So mm-hmm. but I understand that communication is huge. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so like speaking on that, at least for right now, who are, who are some of your biggest role model, role models slash mentors in, in your life? I have, you know, I've been lucky at Keck because I feel like I've have like quite a few mentors, both like in general surgery and not in general surgery. Um, so I don't know if you'd be familiar. His name is Dr. Inaba. He's the program director for 
general surgery at LA County. But he's also a huge name in trauma surgery. Mm -hmm. And he's just been like super supportive. I did some research with him for the past couple of years. He's just like super supportive, super chill dude. Like I just remember the story my old roommate was telling me. A patient came in, they need to use the this thing called the Reboa catheter, which is just like this. Um, it's actually created by military people. Uh, hmm. It's a way to stop like bleeding from the aorta. And he was just teaching, Dr. Nava was just teaching this resident how to do it. And he was just like super chill. He's like, okay, dude, like that's, a, that's super good, dude. Just like keep, keep it coming. He's <laughs> like so chill. He's like, yeah, super cool, dude. He works with LAPD. And I think he was like doing like some training workouts with like the FBI or, or something. He's like, wow. like just a general badass. Nice. Um, he's super cool. I, I, I like him a lot. And he's, so he's general surgery and trauma surgery. Mm. And then I have other doctors that I've just kind of, they were like assigned to us because our, they were part of like our mentorship group that each student gets and they are not general surgery. So one Dr. Dunn, she's family medicine. And then Dr. Van Ziel is palliative care. She was emergency mm. medicine, okay. but the two of them, they're just like super also badass women, but they're just like just super easy to talk to. And you can talk to them about like life stuff too. And mm -hmm. I think that's like really important because, you know, no one really tells you that like in your early to mid 20s like life stuff happens <laughs> i feel like no one ever tells you that you just kind of like oh i'm an adult and now like life is happening yeah. <laughs> uh, so i feel like it's just like kind of nice to have someone who's like been through it whether mm -hmm. they're in your specialty or not to like just talk you through it and you know just be there to like listen honestly yeah and then i was gonna ask if there's anything that you weren't expecting to i guess when you've been in med school now in your third year, is there anything that uh, has happened or in any of your rotations that has made it more difficult or things that you weren't planning for that you've kind of had to adapt to? I guess COVID would be a big one, but I was about to say COVID. Other uh, than that, yeah. Um, that I wasn't or, expecting. Or an ODS, something you weren't expecting to go. Mm, oh my gosh. So, <laughs> so one is kind of dumb. So I didn't have any trouble with like the land stuff, like the running or the push ups, sit ups, like that, that was fine. I don't really know how to swim though. Mm. So during the swim test, so I, I feel like I, I can not drown, but I wouldn't say that I know how to swim. <laughs> right, right, right. But in uh, the Navy, you only have to know how to not drown. Uh -huh. uh, oh, interesting. I think what made it harder, it was, I might have like very bad eyes and you couldn't, you can't wear contacts or like bring your glasses to the pool. So I was like blind and they're trying to like instruct us how to do this stuff. And I was like, I can't see what's going on right now. <laughs> and we have to jump off this thing. You dive off this like 15 foot or 10 foot thing. I don't know, uh -huh. but it looked really far. I couldn't even see the edge. The only reason why I could see the edge because there's like, this yellow piece of tape like this long. And yeah. I was like, I guess I put my toes here. I just turned to my chief and I was like, chief, I don't think I really know how to swim. And he was just like, oh, okay. He's like, when you hit the water, you make a T and you just, push down like that he's like two pushes and you'll be t you'll come to the surface i was like okay okay lit let's do this so i jump off the thing and i was just like okay here's my two i was like oh word i should make the surface and i was just like underneath the water i was like i don't know what to do now so i just like scramble and i could see that they were ready to like jump in and like grab me but i was afraid that they were gonna i knew they were gonna make me do it again so i just like tried to play it off and i was just like floating and I was like, yeah. <laughs> so it passed me. Like I passed. I guess I didn't expect it to be that hard to yeah. take swimming. That's a dumb one. You're a though. good actress. I guess that's amazing. <laughs> that's, that's a dumb one though. I guess for med school, one thing I wasn't expecting, especially at the pediatric surgery one, um, was how much they would let me do. Like how much like experience I would get in the OR. And mm. I guess that was a good type of surprise for me because I was like, wow, like this is, this is like such a great educational experience. Mm -hmm. That's huge. so, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's that's because I remember filling out the Navy paperwork, and they're like, "Yeah, can you swim fifty yards? And do you know how to like tie your shirt around you to make it flow?" And I was like, "I think so." <laughs> yeah. I, oh, that shirt thing! I almost drowned because it was like way too big. Because I'm like kind of a smaller person, and uh -huh. but the jumpsuits are all like male sizes. So mm -hmm. they're already soaking wet from the last group. And so they're super heavy. I jumped in and I was like drowning. And the guy was like, you need to fill it up. You need to fill it up. And I was like, I'm trying, I'm trying. And then he was like watching me drown. And I was like, I can't. So then he had to, he like threw me to the side and he's like, okay, you have to jump back in again. And I was just like, oh my gosh, 
that's when I was just like, it's, I have to do this because I can't jump in for a third time. I'm literally going to drown. Mm-hmm. So that was the only way I could, I passed it because I was forced to. Oh, man, I love it. <laughs> All right. So, um, Ty, you ready to go finances? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, first question for finances. Sure. Um, how do you feel? Because, uh, I mean, you made already a great decision jumping into this program with the Navy to help pay for medical school. Cause I know so many physicians are coming out with six figures, um, 200,000 or more in debt. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. How, do, how do you feel like the Navy program is preparing you for financial success in the future? I do think that it, you definitely come out with a head start. I would say, um, upon some classmates, although that isn't really all that true because mm-hmm. a lot of medical students pay, don't take loans. So the average like medical student, their family income is two hundred fifty to three hundred thousand mm. dollars. So I mean, wow. man, I wish that was my family income, but yeah. but like <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> it's very clear that like p- medical students um, often come from wealthier families. Mm-hmm. So sometimes they don't have that type of debt when they come out. Mm-hmm. Um, but for other students that do have the those big loans, it is like a huge factor. At least with the Navy, you start with a zero sum. So I don't, I don't really owe anything. I do think, though, that it does take a lot of personal responsibility, though, because it's not like the Navy is handing you, like, telling you, like, oh, you need to save this much or, or such and such amount if you want to put a down payment on a house or whatever. So I do think it does take that sort of personal responsibility and researching your own, you know, financial, lit, like becoming more financially literate, like, oh, should I invest in an IRA versus a Roth IRA and learning what all those types of things are. And then for me personally, like I still need to do a bunch of reading. I haven't really started on any of that stuff, even though I I, I really should like very soon. Mm-hmm. So I do think that starting out at that zero sum is, and also the, you do get a sign-on bonus. So starting out with like a little bit of extra like pocket cash is a mm-hmm a huge thing coming out of medical school, but you don't really get like any hand holding. just like, you know, no one really tells you how to save your money ever. So mm. it's just like a, a lot of personal responsibility to just figure it out on your own. Okay. And so you, do you invest in anything currently right now, or are you kind of putting that off till later? Uh, not right now. I am my brothers, my younger brother and sister actually have been more active in the stock market. So I've actually been talking to them a little bit more about what they're doing. Um, actually, my brother's here from San Diego for, for the Easter weekend. And he was like mm. telling me yesterday about investing in, uh, I forgot the acronym he told me, but investing in just like the stock market itself and like those types of things. Yes. Um, Smart man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> my, my friend, I was talking to her last night. She was talking about, she's super into the stock market. And she was like trying to explain like NFTs to me. I still like have to wrap my head around that. I'm not really too sure what those things are, but as of right now, I'm not like, I'm not involved in the stock market really. I feel like I'm still in the learning phase and the research phase. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm a little bit hesitant to like put, you know, money in the stock market because I am just not as, uh, I guess, knowledgeable as I feel like I should be to put mm-hmm. money in right now. No, that's, that's absolutely fair. I think, I think coming from, like a family, like, like you mentioned, you know, you're not coming from a family making six figures and neither, neither was I. And like my family never really taught me about money management and, mm-hmm. and all of that. I kind of always grew up as far as like money is something that was always kind of short mm-hmm. and um, we didn't have access to invest in, mm-hmm. in a sense. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I really, both Ty and I love that your brother just mentioned, instead of investing in individual stocks, we kind of come from the philosophy of investing in the entire market because mm-hmm. if that entire market is what we like to call like self-cleansing almost so there's a lot of companies that are going to fail and mm-hmm. once they drop out there's going to be more that come in and mm-hmm. that's always just going to keep recycling through so i don't know your brother, your brother sounds like he's got got some good thoughts up there um, he spends a lot of time on reddit <laughs> <laughs> just just reading stuff and just like reading about the market i'm just like man like relay some of that to me because yeah. you know your girl ain't really got time to be browsing reddit like that <laughs> <laughs> yeah straight up <laughs> that's, awesome. Man, that's true and as far as like right now for finances are you are you automating things like how, how's, how's your if, if you don't mind telling us a little bit about like oh where your paycheck goes and also is the navy 
paying you while you're in school? Is that part of it? Sure. I'm pretty open about my finances and stuff. So the sign on bonus, if you sign on for four years, which I don't see why you would sign on for less because medical school is four years. Mm. uh, The sign on bonus is 20,000. So you have that as like a nice buffer as Mm. like emergency things. You know, if you have to, you know, God forbid you have to go to the hospital or something, I don't know, but you do get a stipend monthly. So every month I get 2000. So it's like every two weeks you get a thousand dollars. I use my rent is like 900. So I use obviously my first bout for rent. My second bout is for just whatever else. And no, I don't automate anything as of right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, I keep everything like I used to have like a written like planner of like on my calendar, like when I'm supposed to pay everything. But now I transition to using um, my phone, mostly because I got a new watch. And so my watch like shows my calendar, like like days like my I guess my calendar for the day or whatever and so it helps me remember when to pay things so I just remember like okay it's the second I have to pay my credit card bill it's just kind of a monthly thing or like the Mm -hmm. 24th I have to pay rent like so I don't really I don't really like automate it per se I do a lot of online banking if that's what you're getting at but Mm -hmm. most of the time like for subscriptions and things like Mm -hmm. that I just pay them monthly Mm-hmm. And then also that helps me, I feel like, cut down on the number of subscriptions I have yeah. because the fact that I have to pay it, like I have to manually go like type in my password or whatever, it makes me think like, do I really need this? Yeah. <laughs> do I, <laughs> do I that's really the need one this? that's like on the fence for you. Like you're, yeah. you're about to cancel it right now, but you're not sure. Is there any mm-hmm. like that? I go up and down with Spotify all the time. So oh, oh, see, Spotify, I got a real good deal on Spotify. I did the family plan with yeah. some uh, some classmates. Yeah. And so I only pay like two fifty a month. <sighs> to me, that's worth it. That's that is so worth yeah. it to me. Um, I feel like it was Amazon Prime. That was my plus minus. And right now I don't have it and mm-hmm. I want it. So it's like, <laughs> man, whenever I don't have it, I want it. And whenever I cancel it, I'm like, why did I cancel it? <laughs> yeah, man ty we gotta get on a spotify family i know can i join your family i don't even know if they offer that plan anymore because i was like this is like highway robbery like yeah. 250 a month i yeah. don't know that's nothing that's awesome i love that oh man that's great i wonder if that sign bonus could pay for an emergency thoracotomy or whatever the, the clamshell thoracotomy <laughs> I think it can. I think at county, it's like a $10,000 like nice. flat rate per day. Oh, that's sweet. Wow. Okay. Yeah. County hospital, man. That's, that's, way to go. that's something. <laughs> but yeah, you know, like when you mentioned first, when you first started talking about this, you were like, you know, you're coming out, you're starting at zero. Mm-hmm. And that is like, that's a goal for a lot of us. Just to yeah. get zero. You know, that's like, mm-hmm. once we get there, it's going to be a good day. So that's awesome. You're already, you're already mm-hmm. starting there. But I was wondering, like, I'm not too well-versed in... Uh, surgeons especially trauma mm-hmm. surgeons they're they're like salary in the mm-hmm. civilian sector compared mm-hmm. to the military sector so i'm wondering like if you've looked at that and like how mm-hmm. much you would get paid serving as in the navy mm-hmm. compared to if you just went out and did civilian work oh yeah you know i looked at that already <laughs> 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 um you definitely get paid less in the um military sector depending on your specialty so for example you could look, this is all public knowledge, by the way. So mm-hmm. what I'm saying, is not a big secret. Mm-hmm. So by specialty, everything is published online. I already did my calculations, how much I would make as an attending. Mm-hmm. And so the salary would be something like 210, 220, something like, I forgot the exact number, but 200 and change, thousand mm-hmm. dollars a year, which to me sounds like hella money. I'm not, cr- not going <laughs> to cry over no 200, but yeah. the civilian pay I think is usually around 350,000. Mm-hmm. So I can see where some people are like that. That is a, that is kind of a big difference. That right. is a huge difference, like a hundred thousand dollar difference. Mm-hmm. Um, but to me, I'm just like, you know, I feel like either way, like that's a lot of money for me. I don't know if this is just because mm-hmm. I, like what you were talking about, Jordan, with like your, how you were raised and stuff, just like, to me, like 200 versus 300, that's just like an obscene amount of money to me either way. And so I would rather yeah. just go based on like what makes me happy. Yeah. Like yeah. whether I enjoy being in the Navy versus do I enjoy being a civilian? Like that's what I'm basing it off of. But in terms of like finances specifically, if you look at like say family medicine, mm-hmm. so family medicine, they don't get paid like quite as much in the civilian sector. They get paid, I think around 
think right around the $150,000, $200,000 like, range. And they end up making very similar amounts of money in the Navy. So if you want to go like family medicine in the military, you actually like come out, you, you come out, you make the same, mm-hmm. like pretty similar um, hmm. versus like ortho, for example. Oh man, orthopedic surgeons, they're rolling in the dough. Yeah. In sector. <laughs> they make like half a mil a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and they would make the same amount in the Navy as, as like a general surgeon. So like 200 something thousand, mm-hmm. so they are losing out on like more than half of their salary in the, in the military. So it's a big difference depending on your specialty. You could buy okay. a lot of Spotify premium with 500K in the bank. <laughs> yeah. That's a lot of months of Spotify. Man, that's like 20 lifetimes yeah. worth of Spotify. <laughs> yeah. oh, I love it. Okay. All right. The main things, I guess. We yeah. Have. Something to think about, I guess, is just like the the difference. Like, is the, the, the difference in pay between civilian to military worth you know, the lifestyle. Right. Um, and I don't know, like it, that depends per person, right? If you, you could hate being in the Navy mm-hmm. and then if you're family medicine and being in Navy and being family med, it, it, like it wouldn't make sense for you to stay if you hated it. Right. Mm-hmm. Just like the same, like if you love the Navy and you're an orthopedic surgeon, like, yeah, maybe you'll lose out. Well, you'll lose out on a lot of money, but you'll lose out on the money. Is it worth it more to you, that person to stay because they're happy Mm-hmm. I don't know. I guess that's like a philosophical question. No, it's it's true. Like there's, I know, I don't have exact numbers, but I know there's studies out there that there's like a certain upper limit to happiness mm-hmm. correlated with how much money you make. And mm-hmm. it's really not that much. I think it's like maybe a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. And that's, that's about it. So I think you're like right on, on right on point with that too. And, mm-hmm. and um, as, as far as like working in the Navy, there's, I mean, there's also, you know, you get to serve your country and there's a lot more benefits um, mm-hmm. other than just making money, but mm-hmm. that's, yeah, that's, that's a really good point. And you're looking long-term career, Stacey, are you looking like five, 10, 20 years in the military or have you thought about that? Um, you know, I, I am hoping to finish out my contract um, and then go from there. So that's not to say that I, hate the military or that I love the military. I just don't like to be locked into something for too long because mm-hmm. I know that, you know, my situation could change. My feelings about something can change. So I just prefer, would prefer to have my maximum amount of options open at any given mm-hmm. point. Mm-hmm. So that is why I prefer to just finish out my current contract. And before I start signing extensions or whatever, yeah. Just, just, you know, I, I like to play things by ear and take life as it comes. Mm-hmm. You know, ideally, I would be able to practice in the civilian sector. Um, that is something I'm interested in. I am work- interested in working specifically with like gang populations and gang violence. Mm-hmm. So that is something I would like to do in the future. But I mean, if I'm having a great career in the Navy, you know, I don't want like my, my idealized plan as of today to stop me from doing something later, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. So I'd like to just play it by ear. All right. So just like wanted to ask you a few things that you could directly address our audience as sure. far as um, what, what type of advice would you give to others considering joining the, the Navy as a healthcare provider? Mm-hmm. I would say that you have to consider all factors, pros and cons. So I feel like it's very easy to think of something very black or white. Um, whether that be good or bad about the military or whatever thing, really. So you do have to realize that there are very specific pros and cons. So for example, a, a very specific pro we just talked about is the financial side, right? Mm-hmm. And then there's other pros like um, that sense of community you get with the military, you serve your country, you know, that sense of patriotism, that sense of pride. But there are also like very distinct cons. For example, like if you are like very geographically limited, like for example, if you have like a old or like a sick relative or if you have like kids and stuff like that might not be the best option for you because you you really don't have that much agency over where you get sent you just get sent wherever the military needs you to go so that is like one huge con that you need to like really think about like is this okay for me in my lifetime and i think having that lack of agency in like where you live is like a huge thing for people because i mean obviously like depending on what your life situation is so i i feel like making sure that you delve into looking at the pros and cons. And if you go on the internet, 
very, very rarely do I see very neutral reviews of like things, like mm-hmm. not just the military, but of things in general. It's mm-hmm. either people are like gung ho, like so for, or gung ho so against it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's very important to know that they're the truth is probably somewhere in the middle. Yeah, absolutely. And like you seem pretty good for that because like not a lot of people would leave Long Beach to go to San Antonio, but you're like, you know, let's go, let's go travel, let's see what happens. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, yeah you kind of got to have a little whatever, epic kind of mentality sometimes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nice uh next actionable tip i guess for the audience would be i guess if you personally reflected on your own like olympic lifting career and all that how would you say it's influenced your motivation your determination for other things in life has it had an impact on anything significant for you oh of course um i feel like i've always kind of been like a motivated person in general but uh there's something about being like a remote athlete like i was saying so that means like i train obviously not with my team because my team is based in Texas and I'm here in Southern California. I feel like it's a big motivational thing to have to like go in on your own, on your own time, record all your lifts, find time to talk with your coach, like outside of all that stuff and just like work on yourself. It's also like a little difficult because you get feedback, like delayed, if that makes sense. Like you can, like your coach isn't there to like literally tell you what you're doing wrong or make adjustments like in the moment like per lift, you have to wait until your coach like looks at your videos and then like send you mm-hmm. feedback. Mm-hmm. And then you have to hope that you're implemented correctly because you don't have direct feedback. Mm-hmm. So I feel like it really forces you to be a little bit more patient. And also it forces you to persevere a little bit more because if things aren't going right, you have to just be patient enough to like play with things until you find what works for you. So I think that's like very helpful because I'm usually not a very patient person, but like it's forced me <laughs> to become a little bit more patient. <laughs> oh, that's good. All right. So what would you challenge the audience to become better at in life in general? Hmm. In general, um, I guess since we were talking about it, I guess talking specifically about finances is just staying on top of like reading up on where you should be putting your money. And then obviously things like like the investing in the market as a whole, I didn't even know that was an option until my brother like mentioned it the other day. So I feel like even just like a basic foundational knowledge of of like financial literacy is something I would challenge people to, you know, take like 15 minutes a day to read mm-hmm. an article or something to learn mm-hmm. something new. I dig That's that. It. Yeah. Last uh, actionable tip for the audience is going to be, what do you think that all medical students should be doing more of? And what about less of? Ooh, uh, more of, I would say do more of the stuff you love and less stressing, even though that's very vague and very tough. Mm-hmm. I feel like medical students are the type of people who will stress about a bunch of stuff and overwork and not try to not take care of themselves as much as they should. Mm-hmm. And honestly, it will, it will work out. So just take a deep breath, stop stressing and just go for a walk or do something you love. Okay. I was going to ask what your top tip for de-stressing is, but it sounds like you said walking, maybe. Um, honestly, working out. I, I do a lot of working out, whether, you know, I do Muay Thai too. I run a lot. I used to play a lot of basketball before like COVID stuff. Mm -hmm. So, but whatever, you know, some people paint, some people Mm -hmm. like to take pictures, whatever it is. Yeah. Where where are you practicing Muay Thai right now? Because I've been looking into places and I'm like, I don't know. There's so many out here. Um, I go to this place called The Yard. Oh, um, yes. Okay. Yeah. It's pretty dope. I get my, I get whooped a lot. It's fine. <laughs> I got a big mm. ego, so I need to be grounded. I need to come yeah. back to earth every now and then. <laughs> That'll do um, it. <laughs> yeah. But my dad has like a heavy bag in his oh, like cool. home gym. So yeah. my dad was a boxer in the Navy. So he kind of, he knows more of like the hand strikes, but there, like I use a heavy bag to practice like boxing, but also I work on my kicking too. Okay. Your father was a boxer in the Navy. Like what? Briefly. What? Briefly. <laughs> That's a job you could be. He could be like. No, no. It, he just like <laughs> boxed in the Navy. Oh, okay. I was yeah. like, he's a professional boxer. No, he was electrician. Sponsored by the Navy. The Navy. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a cool job, I guess. That'd be sweet. He's the Money Mayweather of the Navy. Yeah. 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 Oh, he said it's boxing is fun until you get hit. Then it's not fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> everyone's got a plan until you get punched in the face mike Tyson, yeah. that's a good yeah <laughs> you always got a plan until you get punched in the face yeah <laughs> all right let's move on to the lightning round jordan 
All right, this is it. This is it. We're going to finish off with a few questions. Um, okay. It's our lightning round. So All right. um, got a good idea of this one for you. But if a gym only had one piece of equipment and you walked in, what would you want it to be? Oh, a barbell. <laughs> I thought you were going to say shake weight. I swear. <laughs> I, I thought she was going to say shake weight. I, I say, okay, let's put that shake weight. It needs to have a yeah, shake weight. A shake weight. No, <laughs> barbell. That makes sense. We, we kind of knew that. <laughs> All right, finances question. What do you consistently overspend on and what is your least favorite thing to pay for? Uh, I consistently overspend at Popeye's chicken. Uh, oh, my least favorite thing to <laughs> well, spend on is Popeye's chicken. I should be eating less fast food, but I just I like love that. the chicken sandwich. He's going Popeye's for both. I really got to try that sandwich, man. I've been hearing it, about it for years now. It's okay. <laughs> it's a fast food sandwich. It tastes good, but it's mm-hmm. a fast food chicken sandwich. I, I don't know why people were like getting stabbed over it yeah. <laughs> years ago. I don't know. You could fix them up if they are stabbed. You'll hopefully you'll massage yeah. their heart. It's great. Yeah. That will be like five years in the future. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So I know I know you kind of touched on this for other people in the audience, but what are you currently working on at becoming better at in life? I actually am trying to get better at running. So I've oh. always been like kind of quick in like short distance stuff, like hundred meter, 200 meter. So I've always been pretty fast, but I've more, I'm more, it's funny that you mentioned triathlons, Tyler, because mm-hmm. I've been getting more into just like reading about triathlons, watching videos about them. And like, I'm just trying to up my mileage, um, mm-hmm. you know, trying to get to the, uh, not necessarily like marathon level, but you know, just trying to get my mileage up on my running, just improve my cardiovascular strength. Yeah. So you have that, is that that Garmin Instinct Solar you're working with right there? I do. It's not the solar. It's Ah, just the regular. The solar was too expensive for me. I know. It's crazy. (laughs) There's a solar one? What? Yeah. really wanted it because I'm out in the sun a lot. But that's dope. Yeah. I I like the color too. It like matches my outfit. See? (laughs) (laughs) Garmin Vivo Active 3, whatever. It's like a hundred bucks. It wasn't too bad. Uh, that I use that like the team. NFC payments. You it does have NFC payments. Oh, yeah. I should have went nice. for that one. Yeah. This one doesn't have payments. So mm. I'll use that for, I guess, the majority of my training. But mm-hmm. okay. Mm-hmm. And then last fun question is going to be you can do this however broad you want. It could be for you or it could be for the species as a whole. But what human achievement do you want to see in your lifetime? Ooh. Um, in my lifetime, I think this will be the end of my lifetime, but I think it will still be my lifetime. I want to see like commercial travel to outer space. Yeah. Um, just like taking an Airbus to the moon just for yeah. a vacation. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I might be a little bit older, but I yeah. feel like it might be my lifetime. Spring break on the moon. <laughs> yeah, I'll be like 80 years old turning up. Yeah. <laughs> I'm on the moon. <laughs> wow okay very cool i think that was all we had any parting shots or questions jordan oh man that was it that was a great episode thank you so much cc for coming on yeah thanks for having me i appreciate it i'm always down to talk awesome awesome all right we'll find more about us at info at 25physios.com or on our website 25physios.com perfect all right well thanks again cc for coming on let us spend a little afternoon with you enjoy the time all right All right. You guys take it easy. Happy Easter. Thanks. You too. Happy Easter. Thanks for listening to the two five physios podcast, where we bring the fire mindset to the physio lifestyle.